Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to The Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Each week, we'll bring in a current MD student and a practicing physician to talk about an important topic in the medical field. From the effects of climate change to the influence of social media on our health, we'll uncover a maze of different perspectives and end each episode with an ethical dilemma for us all to consider. Stay tuned as we literally hear the making of these incredible MDs unfold right before our ears. Sam was once medical doctor by day and full stack coder by night and is now co-founder of Ally Assist, a social enterprise that is on a mission to achieve health equality in Australia by providing in-home and community healthcare services. Now that we've heard Manoj's perspective on doctors going digital, I thought it'd be nice to contrast it with Sam's experience, having built the Ally Assist technology and been in clinical practice as well. <laughs> you had like a one, so I was expecting a two. <laughs> yeah, expected one, you expected wrong. So after a bit of a false start, we got to cover some ground. So here's the recording. I love that Sam is on this episode because he's not just um, a medical doctor, but also a full stack coder, which is amazing. I think we'll have, <laughs> I think we'll have an incredible insight onto the back of all this. Um, so I would just love for you to introduce yourself, Sam, about how you sort of got into the whole tech side of things. Sure. Um, so my name's Sam, I'm a medical doctor, and I am the CEO of a small healthcare startup called Ally Assist. Um, mm-hmm. And I build our web application there. For me, Actually, I feel like coding is one of the easiest things to get into because the feedback loops are really tight. You make an error, you can see you've made it instantly, and then you can Google that error to find out how to fix it. So I started, and it took me about six months to learn, I guess, from having almost no coding knowledge to then being able to build like a kind of a fully functioning web app. Had some issues, but in the two years after that, certainly um, been able to fix a lot of those issues and build something that works pretty well and is pretty safe and can service a lot of people. Yeah, well, actually being the person who has built the web app behind and the technology behind Ally Assist, one of the big goals, um, obviously, of Ally Assist is to be able to solve some of those really big health inequalities that exist in Australia. Um, What are some of the big disparities, I guess, Ally Assist are sort of solving right now with your services? Oh, sure. Uh, like the big disparities. Um, so the biggest one we're addressing, I can talk about people with a disability, the way the current system is, they actually, I can compare this to how it works in a hospital. So in a hospital, um, let's say you go in um, to hospital and you're kind of like on the mend, you've been, your main medical problem has been fixed up and now you're just getting seen by the allied health team in preparation for going home. Maybe you've been in hospital for a while and you've deconditioned. Um, and let's say you're seeing a physiotherapist. In the hospital, the physiotherapist will come and see you. Um, they'll do an assessment, kind of figure out, you know, what exercises you need to do. They'll often get you to, you know, if you've had like a, um, like a, like a big surgery, they need to improve your lung capacity because a lot of the times you're laying still and not breathing for a long time you or you've been tubed your lungs can kind of collapse um so they get you to do like an exercise where you blow you know into a straw uh, blow into you know a cup of water for as long as you can it kind of like helps to expand your lungs again after a big surgery it's a pretty common one so let's just say that has happened and you're also you know walking up and down the wards just trying to get some of your walking strength back before you go home the physiotherapist will see you kind of prescribe a bunch of exercises for you to do and then you'll be seen by what's called like a physiotherapy assistant which is usually like a physiotherapy student like studying at university and then they kind of like 
just implement all the exercises and the plans that the physiotherapist has prescribed to you. Um, that exists all in the hospital, but unfortunately it doesn't exist in the community. So people, they only sort of see their physiotherapist and then in between sessions, they kind of, I mean, they have homework to do, but they don't really do that much for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but what Aliasis does is it uses technology to link people um, in the community that live next like nearby a physiotherapy assistant and then the assistant can go to the house and they can implement the exercises that the clients uh, or the patient's physiotherapist has like recommended and i guess the disparities that addresses is that um i guess number one is that the health inequality for people with disability they just if you're out in the community you don't sort of have the services that you need to to truly i guess reach your therapy goals in the most efficient way possible people are still reaching their goals but it could be certainly optimized and then on top of that we have another barrier which is people that might not have like a super high health awareness i'll talk in particular about families yeah that might not have high health literacy and also families that just don't have a lot of time which is a lot of them um so if you've got a family with one child with disability, the chance of having another child with a disability is actually heightened. So we often, a lot of our users are parents with multiple kids um, that have a disability and they will see their physio, they'll get some exercises prescribed or they'll see their speech therapist or occupational therapist, but they just won't have enough time or resources to kind of like do all the things that need to be done. And they also might not have the health literacy to kind of understand the importance of these things. So yeah, that's what Alice is aims to address. Um, we can actually just send somebody in there that has enough knowledge and time and they're also affordable to kind of like help with all those things. Um, well, thank you so much for the people that you serve. It really does make a difference. As our health system and doctors go more digital, especially with sort of the adoption of telehealth being so pushed forward from the pandemic mm. and how everyone's rushing to digitalize a lot of the health services what mm. are some of those shortfalls and cautions that we need to be a bit more considerate about when designing digitalized health systems the big first one that comes to mind is safety i certainly can understand that there's like it's, it's something from the statistics it's something a lot of companies are only sort of um i guess turning more to now in the past in the past oh man i'm going to try to remember the statistics probably but don't quote me on this but i think it was in the last 20 years most companies would do what's called like a penetration test so they would check their security um, only to meet compliance standards so they would only fix their security basically to tick a box. But I guess a lot of companies now are realizing the huge implications that being, you know, having a data breach can have. And they're starting to, I guess, get penetration tested and do bug bounties in order to improve their security so that they can prevent these security attacks. Like they're getting more serious about it. People actually want to prevent security breaches rather than just, you know, getting the security tested just to tick a box that the government will be happy. Um, so the big thing I can think about if we're moving into everything digital is breaches of our personal health data, which a lot of people don't think about, but can, it's quite a big deal if somebody can have your data. There's a lot somebody can do with that, especially if you're a child. A lot of my GP friends are doing telehealth and I haven't heard any kind of like anything bad about it. There's a lot of situations where I wonder how telehealth would deal with these things. In particular, like, I guess a common story for GPs is um, patients that exhibit drug-seeking behavior and maybe some doctor shopping. There's a couple of online tools that have been put in place over the last year to kind of prevent that, something called SafeScript. But I imagine 
maybe dealing with um, those kind of patients or patients that are emotionally labile might be a little bit more difficult over telehealth, but yeah. And it was just like, what, what do you think in the, in the coming future are the functions of a doctor that can be digitalized and what are sort of the limits of what can't be? Well, I don't know. Have you ever had a telehealth appointment? I had one and it's honestly great. I mean, you can have it from your own house. There's like they set up the technology so you don't have to sort of wait in a waiting room. You get like a rough kind of appointment time and then, you know, the doctor just, you get like a text message when the doctor's ready to see you. Everything like the face of like, I guess being able to chat about your problems, like I still felt cared about, you know, by my doctor, like I could still feel like they cared about my issue and like they could empathize with me even though I was looking at them through a screen. And then they can just like whatever medications or tests they want to prescribe just gets emailed to the pathology or the chemist like around your house. So I actually thought it was like super well done. I was really surprised. I thought the whole rollout would be terrible, but um, I feel like they really aced it. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely the direction we're heading and it was such a great experience. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess at the end of every episode, we have a bit of an ethical dilemma and this one's a bit more targeted towards being a, a, a medical professional. So should what you say or share online, such as like on social media now, impact your professional career as a medical professional, even if it's totally off a medical forum? Wow, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge question, I think. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people with, you know, alternate views. I mean, like, if you're going to see a doctor, you should probably see them. It's like, do people really, you know, if you're getting a, I'm trying to draw a parallel here, but if people need their pipes fixed, um, does it really matter what your kind of what views your plumber has um, if they're coming over to your house to fix your pipes? Probably not. They can have any kind of views that you might not agree with, but in the end, it, it might not, or it probably should not affect your decision. But at the same time, being a doctor is, like you have, I guess, it's kind of more of an intimate job where you're responsible for somebody else's body. And that can, if you have, I guess, particular views that could kind of sway your treatment of some individuals. So yeah, in short, that's a huge gray area. I don't know. So we left it at that, that it's a bit of a gray area and you can go and form your own opinion on that one. I hope you enjoyed some perspectives on Doctors Going Digital now that Sam and Minaj have been on and look forward to a brand new topic about the meaning of life and how doctors view death on the next few episodes. See you then.